Sports Stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Stance. It's a new year, but the same us. That is right, I am your host, Greg, and this is the first Sports Stance in the year 2020 and in the roaring 20s decade. That's right, we have entered a new decade. It's kind of crazy to think about. You look back at what was going on in 2010 when we had a last change of decade. Do you realize LeBron James made the decision in this past decade to go to Miami? Do you realize that like so much happens and you kind of just forget about it and you're like, that happened what, 20 years ago? Nope. Did that happen last year? Nope. It's crazy how time works. But we're not here to talk about time. We are here to talk about sports. We're not going to talk about the last decade because we're entering a new one. Like I said, we're now in the roaring 20s. What's it going to bring for us in the sports world? Who knows? We're going to get into some NFL playoff football talk. We're going to get into, you know what? It's going to basically be NFL football talk because playoffs are upon us. And why not go into each matchup a little bit? We won't get in too far. Instead of a must-watch, upset-watch, and lock it in, we're just going to go through all of them, and I'm going to give my predictions for all the wildcard weekend rounds. Besides that, since we have a new year, since the holiday season was just upon us, I think I'm going to go, you know, look. I said I wasn't going to, like, 30 seconds ago. But I'm going to take a look at what we should be leaving in the past decade And what's not going to be coming with us into this new decade? That could be players, storylines, what teams aren't going to see a championship in the next 10 years. We're going to take a look at all of it. And by all of it, whatever I choose. Because honestly, if we had to take a look at all of it, I would need multiple weeks, multiple hours of airtime. And I don't have that. You don't have that. So I'm just going to pick and choose what I like. Whether it's football, baseball, basketball, Olympics, who knows? Might get crazy. Okay, not too crazy. Like we're not gonna like go into FIFA World Cup predictions or cricket, because honestly, I don't know enough about it. Tour de France, not a clue. And give you teams that I think will win multiple championships in this decade, teams that I don't think will win any. So I might surprise you. Yeah. Well, that's what we're here for, right? Surprises, hot takes, all that fun stuff. So let's get right into it. We're going to start NFL playoffs. We'll do the predictions, all that at the end of the show. Because really, the most important thing with this whole sports weekend is the NFL playoffs. So let's start with Saturday. The AFC is on the docket. We have two very interesting games to take a look at. First of the two we're going to look at is the Texans versus the Bills. The 4 and 5 matchup. The key here is obviously going to be the Texans health. Now, you can say they rested guys, but for the most part, in that final game of the season for the Texans, two big guys on their offense were out. Kenny Stills is dealing with a neck injury, and you have Will Fuller who if his hamstrings aren't hurting him, is he really Will Fuller? No. The answer is no, he's not. Will Fuller could be one of the best number two wide receivers in the entire league if he could stay healthy. 
the hard thing is he never seems to be able to stay healthy. So that's going to be the key. If Will Fuller can suit up, I'm going with I'm going towards Texans. I mean, you have J.J. Watt coming off IR, pec muscles all healed up, chest is feeling good, he's feeling good. It's playoff time. You're not stopping J.J. Watt unless you strap him down. And no, I'm not going to continue that. That sounds like it was going to get weird. A bomb wouldn't stop J.J. Watt right now. No, you know what? Forget it. J.J. Watt's going to be there. You couldn't do anything to him. All right? Doctors, he won't listen to, how about this? He's not taking, he won't take doctor's advice even if they said to stay off the field. He feels healthy enough. He's going to be playing. His peck is apparently all better. Eight weeks, boom. Peck fully healed. J.J. Watt's going to be on the field. That makes a difference. That pass rush completely changes for the Texans. Then you have, as like I said, if Will Fuller's out there, you got to go with the Texans because then Hopkins isn't double covered every single time. Fuller can get the deep ball. It opens up a little more for the run game. So it's a huge deal. But I will say this. The Bills are going to be tough. That defense is one of the best in the league right now. They have very good secondary. They can shut down a pass game. They are very good against the run game. So the Texans will have their work cut out for them. But because the Bills' offense can be so anemic and just... Josh Allen. I mean, what can what can I say? Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen. I do. I like him. He's talented. He can run. He can move pretty well. He can throw it in there. But he just, not yet. He doesn't have the makeup of a playoff contending quarterback just yet. What he did with the Bills this year, phenomenal. That team way outperformed what anybody thought they were going to do. They're New York's team. Partly because they're the only team that plays in New York, so therefore they should be technically only team in New York. But they're New York's team right now. Jets and Giants stink. And that's putting it nicely. In case there's any kids listening. But yeah, the Bills offense just isn't isn't anything special. Isn't anything to look at and go, you know what? They're going to scare me. You're not intimidated by Frank Gore... Or Devin Singletary, like Cole Beasley and Brown as your wideouts. Not not names that are going to strike fear into any secondary. They'll get some points. They'll put up like, you know, a solid 17 points a game. But when it's playoff time, that's not going to be enough. Because you're going against elite offenses. You're going against top defenses. That isn't less like you're in the NFC East technically. We're going to get to that. Love my Eagles. Still have faith in them, but we'll get to that. But this, these are the cream of the crop teams. The Texans, every single year, get to this point in the playoffs. Can they, get, can they take it a step further? That's going to be the key with the Texans. Can they make that next leap? My prediction is they make that leap, lock it in for the Texans, because that's how I'm going to have to do it. There's no upset, must-watch. They're all must-watch games. If there's an upset, I'll let you know. But every pick's a lock. Not against the spread. None of that. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. But Texans are going to beat the Bills in the first round to advance to round two where they'll face off against the Ravens. Actually, you know what? 
strike that. They won't face the Ravens. Because Titans versus Patriots. Now, I'm going to talk about Tom Brady a little bit later in the show as well. But for now, my prediction is simple. The Titans are going to beat up on the Patriots. And now listen. Patriots are a phenomenal team. You can't, you can't deny that. They're the most winning team of the past decade. They have Super Bowls galore. Greatest quarterback of all time argument. You could throw him, Montana, in there with Brady. Greatest coach of all time. As much as it pains me, you got to give it to Belichick. What he's done for one franchise over a 20-year span is unheard of. But this Patriots team has shown me two things this year. One, their offense is not good. You can blame whatever you want. Lack of receivers, Brady getting older, the offensive line not helping the run game, Sonny Michelle having a regression in his running capabilities because they don't have a fullback in Devlin to help. I mean, it seems preposterous. You shouldn't have a running back who can only run successfully if he has a running uh, fullback leading the way for him. That's just not how the league operates now. So if you can't operate any other way, you're not going to make it in the league very long, Sonny. But, so besides that, the offense, not very good. Now, the defense has been elite. I mean, you, you, the numbers don't lie. The game tape doesn't lie. I mean, that team was winning games because their defense was scoring touchdowns for them when their offense couldn't. I mean, go back, look at the tape. Just look at it. That defense doesn't play like that. Patriots are 12-4. and four. They're 10-6. and six. They're 9-7. and seven. A lot of games, that defense won for them. But when it came to facing better offenses and better overall teams, they didn't perform so well. And one area they struggle in is defending the run. And do you know who the Titans have on them? Who is in their backfield? No, not former Patriot Deion Lewis. I mean, he's back there, but it's not him. They have Goliath himself, Derrick Henry, a man among men, a behemoth of a back who can run through into you and run through you. He was the leading rusher in the NFL. The guy has turned it on over the past two years. It's like a flip of a switch. He went from mediocre to monster overnight. I think it started with the Jacksonville games. I mean, he just started breaking tackles, and he hasn't stopped. So if the Titans can get that run game, churning out chunks of yards, five, six yards every run, control the clock, keep the offense off the field, and keep that defense going and tired, it's going to tighten up, literally. Titans are going to end up advancing Saturday night. Hurts me to say, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Massachusetts. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Patriots guy. It's not a shocker. Didn't grow up in Massachusetts. Didn't grow up praying at the altar of Brady. But, I mean, never count the Patriots out. It's going to be a close game. But I think the Titans, if they control the clock game, they control the run game, they control everything. You can try to take Derrick Henry out of the game as much as you want. But that man is big, he's strong, and he's going to just plow through you. Belichick can't game plan and scheme for a running back 
that can just bowl through your defenders. I mean, yeah, stack the line. Put eight in the box. It's not going to do much. Because they also have A.J. Brown on the outside and Ryan Tannehill leading the way? What? The fact that Ryan Tannehill is leading a playoff team with now people are kind of afraid of potentially facing is shocking. And you got to remember, Patriots are coming off an emotional loss. Now, yeah, it was still the Dolphins, but it's emotional because they went from having a bye week in their hands, in their grasp, getting a week off for guys like Julian Edelman, who is very hobbled right now, giving that defense a breather because of how much of the load they've had to carry, giving your 42-year-old quarterback an extra week to rest up. Instead, you got to now get thrown into wild card weekend because you lost to the Dolphins. Fitzmagic came into Foxborough and did his thing. Either they're going to come in really angry and it's going to be a bloodbath and the Patriots walk out of there like it was nothing, or they're going to be a bit off their game. And I'm thinking they might be a bit off their game. The media up here is not nice to them. The media up here is not being kind. Trust me, I listen to it and I can't imagine the fact that they all are basically writing Brady off. They're putting him on the ship. They're setting sail. They're saying, bye-bye, Tommy. See you later. Thanks for the Super Bowls, but Bill knows best and he doesn't want you here anymore. Like, that's what that's what the conversation is up in New England. It's shocking. I think all that, you know, culminates in a month-long drama of what's going to go on with Brady when the Patriots lose Saturday night. So I'm going with the upset with the Titans over the Patriots. Now, most likely I'll be 100% wrong about this. But one of these times I pick against the Patriots this year, it has to work out. So, we'll see if it's this time. To put it in perspective, though, the Patriots have never won the Super Bowl when they've had to play a wildcard weekend. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Alright, time for Sunday's games. So, for the NFC side of things, Sunday is the day for both games. And let's be honest. This is not what we saw wildcard Sunday for the NFC looking like. At least not at the beginning of the year. You have a 13-3 New Orleans Saints team not getting a first round bye. Think about that. Think about how crazy that is. And not only that, they have to face a 10-6 Vikings team who will be getting Dalvin Cook back from an absence. They'll have their receivers They have the history of the miracle Minnesota in the back of Saints players' minds who were there for that. Granted, it's in the Superdome, but it's a lot of of stuff going on. You got to think the Saints are a little bit down to the fact they didn't get a bye week. You have guys like Drew Brees and Michael Thomas setting records. They had three losses with Teddy Bridgewater playing half the season for them, basically. And still no first round bye. That's how good the NFC East, not NFC East, so definitely not the NFC East. That is, they were bad. NFC East was bad. But that's how good the NFC as a whole has been this year. That your top three seeds are all 13 and 3 or better. Hence whether, I mean, you got to put money on no matter what it is, the NFC is going to be a tough 
tough road to get through. doesn't matter where you're starting from. You could start in the division round. It's going to be tough. I mean, the fact that the Packers are your two seed and they have had some interesting losses this year and some close wins, I mean, it, the fact that it's not the Saints is still crazy to me. But it's besides the point. We're here to talk about what the game's going to look like Saturday. Or not Saturday, Sunday. Man, my bad. Maybe New Year's hangover. That's what we're just going to blame all these little missed slips on. So Sunday, Viking Saints is the early game. Plain and simple, Saints are going to win. There's no way I am going against the New Orleans Saints in the wildcard round. How can you? Their defense is playing well. Drew Brees and Michael Thomas might be the best connection since the phone and the internet. I mean, these guys are connecting on everything. Not Nothing's getting dropped. No calls, no balls, no Wi-Fi, none of it. None of it's getting dropped. Not when you're in the vicinity of those two. I mean, seriously, he breaks the catch record, Breeze touchdown records, pass yard records, completion percentage records. How do you go and get to that team? How do you go and get to that offense? You literally could throw nobody else on the field. Give Drew Brees, his offensive line, and Michael Thomas, they're still putting up 21 points. Like, they're still scoring three touchdowns, and you'll know exactly what's coming every single time, a pass to Michael Thomas. You're not going to be able to stop it, though, because Drew Brees places the ball perfectly almost every time he throws the ball. Vikings are good. They're not playoff good. Now, it's not a knock against Kirk Cousins. His primetime record speaks for itself. Not very good. But that's not the point. He has had a very good year. If you don't believe me, go check out the stats. He's had a very solid season. If the Vikings had two more wins and were fighting for that first round bye or won the NFC North, there could have been some outside dark horse MVP talk for Cousins. That's how pretty good of a year he's had. Doesn't matter, though. Vikings defense is good. Doesn't matter. You're going in to New Orleans. You're going in to the Superdome. Nobody goes into the Superdome and survives in the playoffs. Unless the refs completely botch a call. Then you change some rules. You hope it goes in your favor. Then when you try to make it go in your favor, it doesn't. I'm talking about pass interference. If you don't understand that, well, then you just shouldn't be listening. Or you just don't follow football. I don't know which it is. But unless the refs blatantly help your team out, you're not going into New Orleans beating them there. That place gets rocking. That place is like... I don't, I don't even know. It's one of the most ultimate home field advantages there is in all of sports. And Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and that defense, Marcus Lattimore, take full advantage. Absolute full advantage. That's why the Saints are going to win, and they're going to win big. They at least win by two touchdowns in this game. So no matter what the spread is, you're taking it in the Saints' favor. So lock that in. I mean, there's no way you just don't. Right? Like I'm asking. If there's somebody out there that doesn't think that's what you do, tweet at me at sportsstands underscore. Love to know why you think that. 
If you don't think the Saints are going to crush the Vikings, tell me why. I, I don't see a way that they win. I mean, obviously, injuries, like if Breeze and Thomas and Kamara all get hurt. Because even if Breeze gets hurt, guess what? Bridgewater comes in. He did just fine. No worries. They still win by two touchdowns. Kamara goes out. That's fine. Murray comes in. He filled him very well when Kamara couldn't handle the load. I mean, Michael Thomas goes out. I don't really know who you throw to, like Traquan Smith. But they'll they'll do something. They'll figure it out. Hill will go in and be a wide receiver. He's done it a few times this year. So yeah, no matter what, it's going to be the Saints. Now we get to the later game. The game that was literally decided by inches. Inches decided this matchup of the Seahawks versus the Eagles. A rematch of an earlier game in the season where the Seahawks came out victorious in Philadelphia. Can they go two for two? I'm going to say no. Now hear me out. The NFC sucked. And by that, the NFC East. I don't know why I keep forgetting to add that part. The NFC East was terrible. It was the worst. And that's coming from an Eagles fan. Now, granted, I give the Eagles a little bit of leeway because they had a mop, a bucket, and Greg Ward Jr. as their wide receivers to finish the season. And Darren Sproles 2.0, Boston, great Scott in the backfield. So you got to give him some credit. Carson Wentz made lemonade out of lemons. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And the defense finally started playing well. The secondary looked somewhat capable of actually defending passes. Now that's going to be key going against the Seahawks. And the reason I think the Eagles come out is one, Lincoln Financial Field is like the Superdome, but outside, if that makes any sort of sense. And if it doesn't, oh well. The crowd is going to be rambunctious. That's right. I'm throwing out words like rambunctious to describe the Philadelphia crowd. They throw snowballs at Santa. They throw batteries at people. I don't know. They get a bad rap. But really, they're just a passionate fan base, and they go nuts, especially when they feel like they're the underdogs, and hungry dogs need to eat. They got to bring that back from when they made their Super Bowl run because it worked. Everybody brought, bought into it, and it, it fueled a team that people had kind of pushed aside after the Wentz injury. Wentz is back. The rest of the team is now hurt. Can they do it again? We'll see. But I do believe they at least get past the Seahawks before they most likely meet their ultimate demise in San Francisco. But the reason I think they win is one The Seahawks are going to be emotionally drained. Do you know how hard it is to come away from a game where you lose by less than an inch? Like literally less than an inch decided the 49ers beating the Seahawks. Now there's, I'm not saying Hollister got into the end zone. Trust me, he did not. But to be that close to that touchdown, that division title, And where you go for the playoffs and who you face is incredible. I mean, honestly, you went from a home game in Seattle to an away game completely across the country. That's draining. That takes a toll on you. Not physically, maybe, 
but mentally. Plus, left tackle Brown may be out again. Their running game is kind of a mess right now. They are down to their third string running back in Homer. They signed Marshawn Lynch. Now I get it. Beast mode probably will go off at some point. Any point. But maybe just for a run. I get it. They have Russell Wilson too. He is a magician. I understand that. You've seen it. I've seen it. The man can do wonders on a football field. Don't know how he does it. But he does it. It's very impressive. But. I think with maybe the fact they have to travel cross country. They have the emotional loss. They're down a few guys. They have a few injuries. Eagles play very well against the run. They just have to hope their secondary steps like it, up like it has been. And, I mean, they got a shot. And I think the main reason they have a shot is actually their offense. Despite the fact that it looks, well, it is, a bunch of no-names, and they are literally the movie The Replacements, based on how that offense looks. I think that plays in their favor because, one, lack of game tape. You only have a few games to see what these guys are capable of and the plays they're running, which really means Doug Peterson, who loves coming up with schemes and designs and a little trickery, will have a whole new game plan and probably playbook to an extent for these guys using every little skill set that they have. Use the fact that Boston Scott is short. Use the fact that Greg Ward used to be a quarterback in college. You're going to see all of this, I think, coming out in the playoffs. And I think that's where the Eagles get their advantage. And I think that's what helps them win this game. When you don't know anything about an offense after a full season, it makes them dangerous. It makes the fact that you cannot pinpoint certain schemes, certain formations, and what could be coming a lot harder to game plan for. And Pete Carroll is a great coach. I mean, he's seen a lot of things in his day. But when you don't have more than three or four games on any of these guys, how do you prepare for it? It's like a preseason. Everybody's rested week one. It's basically like the Seahawks have to go back to week one after seeing what these guys have done in the preseason in the final four weeks and figure out how to defend it. So that's where I think the Eagles get their advantage. Yeah, I'm picking with my heart on that game. But my mind's kind of like, hey, you're making sense. This logically is making sense to me, which is scary. Because I bet you somebody out there just went, he is making sense. This guy, he gets it. This guy, I like it. He, he, no, he, he made some good points. And if that's true, if I got you to say... Good point. Eagles do have a chance. I've done my job. I've done my job as not only an Eagles fan, but as a sports commentator. I can retire now. I'm done. I'm finished. Just kidding. I'm not done. I'm not finished. We still got like another 30 minutes. But before we get to those 30 minutes, and now that you know I picked the Eagles and I picked the Saints for Sunday, it's a good time to tell you that if you're looking for tickets for these games or sporting events in general, concerts, whatever it is your ticket needs might be, Check out Seat Giant. If you go to Seat Giant, use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. That's 1-2-O-Z sports in the promo code. And you'll get an even better deal. That's when you go to SeatGiant.com for all your ticket needs. Go for family events. Make sure you check it out for concerts in your area, sporting events in your area. It's a great place to go. Again, get the if you're going to get a deal, 
why not get the best deal and go to Seat Giant and use the promo code 12 Sports. All right, so quick recap. NFL wildcard weekend. My picks are, sorry people, Texans, Titans. We're going to tee it up on Saturday. That's right. Tee it up on Saturday. Doesn't get better than that. Then on Sunday, we have the Saints and the Eagles both winning at home, moving on to the next round, or more than likely, the Eagles will meet their demise, but we will worry about that when and if that happens. So we got wildcard weekend covered. Let's get into college football. You know what? Let's get into some college football. Real quick, we will go through college football. We're not going to go through bowl games. We're going to go through two games specifically, and that is LSU's trouncing of Oklahoma. That's really it. They trounced them. Joe Burrow, seven touchdowns, one half, almost 500 yards. I mean, if you don't solidify your number one pick any better than that, welcome to the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe. You're an Ohio kid. Can't write it much better than that. So, I mean, LSU, I still predict, is going to win the national championship. But the game, obviously, of the weekend, of bowl season, has been Clemson-Ohio State. It gave us a great game of two Titans. It came down to the very end. And the best thing is, it all happened because one Ohio State player decided to try to play dirty and take out Trevor Lawrence. Clemson was struggling much of that first half. Until, I don't remember who it was, took a knee shot at Trevor Lawrence. And he basically said, that kickstarted our offense because it pissed me off. And you don't want to piss off Goldilocks. You don't want to piss off Rapunzel. Whatever you want to call him with his golden lock of hair that is majestic for a quarterback to have. But you did. You messed up, Ohio State. You done messed up, Ohio State, O-H-I-O. And Clemson came back. They, in the final two minutes, put up one final score that put them in the lead, solidified it. They held strong. They picked off fields in the end zone after a clear, clear misunderstanding of wide receiver quarterback. I mean, fields threw it to an open spot in the end zone where his wide receiver clearly looked like he was making a cut, and his wideout cut the complete opposite direction and left him out to dry. Not a great look for either, but it, he clinched it for Clemson. So now we have LSU, the number one seed, versus Clemson, the number three seed. It's going to be a great matchup. It's two really talented quarterbacks. I said LSU is going to win. Plain and simple, the Tigers are going to win. They just have the better quarterback. They have the guy that you know is going to be a clear-cut, long-career NFL-type guy. About as clear-cut as I can say it. If you don't get the humor in that, well, sorry. You don't get my humor then. But that's the, I mean, College Bowl season in a nutshell. Those two games, they've been blowouts. They've been close games. I mean, the Beck Bowl, we had like a fight. That was fun. Rose Bowl, very entertaining. But Wisconsin... Turned it over four times. Oregon's offense literally could do nothing, which makes you wonder, is Justin Herbert's stock hurt this year with how he performed at Oregon? 
after last year, he could have been a top 10 pick as a quarterback. Does that change this year? Haven't heard as much about him. Joe Burrow came out of nowhere and definitely is taking that number one spot. Herbert was potentially going to be that number one spot going into the season. Not anymore. There was also Tua conversation. He'll make his decision on Monday, what he's going to do about his ankle, his hip. I don't know. Why would you even, if you're Tua, why are you going back to college? Why? Why are you going back to college? It makes zero sense. Oh, hey, I'm going to go back and risk further injury for free because I might become the number five or number one pick instead of maybe the number 10 pick in this year's draft. Somebody's taking you in the first round, Tua. You may not make millions upon millions, but you'll make millions. And that's better than making nothing. Because if you go back to Alabama and you get hurt again, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to make nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. And Nick Saban's not going to give you a handout because he feels bad. No. You're just another guy in his factory. So much as Nick Saban says he cares about all these guys, it's a business. He's not going to stop and be like, oh, no, boo-hoo, you got hurt, your career's over, because he has a replacement for you, and you were going to be done anyway. So go get your money, Tua. Why are you wasting your time? Get healthy, get drafted, make your money, and hopefully have a decent career. We all know it's going to be with the Patriots, right? Like, it's definitely going to be with the Patriots. He's going to take over for Brady. We all know this night, like, already. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Just wanted to get a read on the room. But, yeah, go go be a professional, Tua. Don't go back to college. But that's been bowl season. I don't know how you did in bowl mania. I have not done well. I've been playing with 12-ounce sports bowl mania. Not going great. Not going to lie. Made some bold picks. They did not pan out. Not at all, but I did win my fantasy football league, so there is a plus side, I guess, in all this. I don't know. Three-time champ. That's right. Back to back to back. Sorry, that was a random little gloat in there. Don't know why I put that in there. All right, yes, I did. It's in case anybody from my fantasy league is listening. I won. You lost. Ha ha. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I make myself laugh. That's a good thing. Anyway, now it's time to talk about things that we're going to be leaving behind in the last decade, not bringing it into this new decade. And if we're bringing it into this new decade, it's not going to be for very long. So let's get into it. So we're in a new decade. We're in a new year. And when that happens, things need to change. They can't be what they used to be. Storylines get played out. So I'm going to give you some of the things I think going into 2020 and beyond need to stay or need to go. And the first one being, now I made reference to it last week I talked about it, made reference to it earlier this episode, Tom Brady. That is right. I am back on the Tom Brady whole situation. Mainly because, as I said in my predictions, I think the Titans are going to win this week. And that means the Patriots season is over. Tom Brady's contract is up. He's 42. What's going to happen? Well, 
There are a lot of people that think he might go elsewhere. Try to find greener pastures. It's not going to happen. There are other things. He'll stay. He'll ride it out. He wants to show he can play until he's 45. And he's Tommy. He's the GOAT. He's going to do it, people. He's going to show you, and he's gonna, you're going to fuel his anger. And that's what's going to make him stay. Well, I think both parties are wrong. I think, in general, Brady retires. I think he is done. I think there is no way whatsoever he stays. I mean, there's nowhere to go where the situation is going to be as good as it was in New England. It's just not. That's, that's just facts. But the other issue is, why are you going to stay in New England? Why are you going to put yourself through another year of getting hit? Yeah, you guys will be AFC East champions. Yes, they'll make it into the playoffs and potentially have a bye week. But it's going to get harder and harder every year to win a Super Bowl. Unless the Patriots are willing to invest in offensive weapons. Now they tried kind of this year. The Antonio Brown situation was a weird one, but they tried. They also cut Josh Gordon weeks before anything about Josh Gordon was an issue. They traded for Muhammad Sanu. They traded a second-round pick for about sixth-round value based on what he's given them. So you're not you're not showing offensively you can do anything to really help Tom out. So that's why I think overall. In this new decade, there really won't be Tom Brady. You'll have 2020 Tom Brady for a week. You'll have one week of Tom Brady playing football. This decade, one week out of all of them. Out of 10 years, 520 weeks, Brady will play in one of those. I'm putting that in the books. I honestly, th- I don't see, I don't see why. Why stay? Why go? Just be done. There is nothing for him to prove. He has had a Hall of Fame career. He has had a argumentatively number one NFL player of all time career. I mean, six Super Bowls, basically because of you. Is really hard to argue with when you talk about greatest of all time. So really, we're leaving Tom Brady back in 2019, 2010s. He had his runs. He had 2000 to 2019. That's that's a hell of a run. Can't really say it's not. But Tom Brady, sorry, bud, we're gonna be leaving you behind. In this past decade. Brighter futures. I mean. Teddy Bridgewater. Could be a perfect replacement in New England. For Tom Brady. And you would at least get 10 years out of him. For a much cheaper rate. Use that money to actually go and get some offensive weapons. Right now you don't have the ability to. Gronk retired last year. And they did nothing to replace him. The most trusted pass catcher Brady has had over the past nine seasons outside of Edelman. And he do nothing to repeat. Like, zero. Lacoste, I mean, come on. 
Benjamin Watson, you got him out of retirement. And it's not like he retired young like Gronk. So, unless Brady stays, if they somehow pull out a top receiver out of thin air. And I just don't see it happening. But instead of ruining and tarnishing his legacy of going somewhere else, just retire. So that's that's number one on the list. Number one of something we're leaving behind or taking with us, we're leaving you behind, Tommy. All right, let's move on to number two. I've got some different sports here. Don't worry, it's not all just football. This one, it's coming into the future. This one is staying with us because it really hasn't been shown yet, except in minor leagues. Robot umps. Yep, you heard me. Robot umps. It's a thing. They're trying it out. It's in the minor leagues. And you know what? It needs to make it to the majors immediately. You can't have got umpires like Hernandez and Joe West getting crazy out there, calling balls and strikes all willy-nilly, changing the zone every single night just because they feel like it or their vision's getting bad or they ate too much Taco Bell. I'm looking at you, Joe West. Like you just, you never know what the zone's going to be and it completely affects the game and the pitcher. I mean, it affects the hitter, too. You got to start guessing where the zone ends so you start wildly swinging. Robot umps completely change that. I know what you're thinking. If you haven't read much about this, are they going to have robots behind home plate? How is this going to happen? How is this going to work? Well, here I am to put you at ease. You'd still have the human aspect of the home plate umpire. But instead of him making every single call, you would have him receive word from a computer what the call was, what the pitch was, ball or strike. Simple. Split second. In his ear. So it's not like you're going to be waiting a few seconds for a result. But the umpire has the ability to also veto what the call is if he thinks it's an egregious one and an error. Plus you have him there for home plate plays Things like that. So it's not too crazy, but it's something that needs to come into this decade of baseball. Now, for all you baseball, I don't I don't even know, not saints, or, well, I guess you would think it's sacrilegious if you are a saint of baseball. But yeah, if you think it's sacrilegious to bring that type of technology into baseball, well, you're crazy. You need to, baseball, I love you. Baseball's my number one. I'm a person that can sit there for three to four hours and just just watch pitch after pitch. You can call me you can call me crazy, but love it. Love the strategy of baseball. Love all of it. Hate umpires and their home plate strike zones. Hate's a strong word, but I hate it. Like I said before, it's just a different. It's different every night. This way you'd have a clear cut. This is the strike zone. You can't argue it at all. Computer's telling you it wasn't a ball. It wasn't a strike. 
this, that, hit the corner, didn't hit the corner, didn't cross the plate at the time where it dropped into the glove. Like all of that, both pitcher and hitter then cannot argue a thing. I think it would speed up the game. Plus, then less complaints, speeds up the game. You maybe get some people interested for the fact that they can know now know that it's a robot calling the game. There are people that would definitely watch just for that. So let's bring that with us. We're bringing that into 2020. We're bringing that into 2020 and beyond. Like Buzz Lightyear. Robot umpires and beyond. That was very cheesy. I get that now. I see it. I heard it. There's no going back, though. I'm not going back and re-recording that. That, in my mind, was gold. That was gold for the time being. But we'll move on. Robot Umps, you're coming with us. We're taking you. Why? Because it's cool. It's smart. It makes sense. The MLB needs to, you know, get with the times. And this is just a way to help start getting there. It makes it so it's much cooler. I mean, not cooler. Nobody's going to really think it's that cool. But it brings an aspect to the game of stability. It simplifies things. It makes people at home not have to yell at the screen saying, the computer and the graphics show it's a strike. Why did you call it a ball? You don't have to worry about that. Makes it nice. Makes it simple. So bring it in. Bring it into this decade. It's coming along. MLB should put it in the majors sooner than later. From what I know, it worked pretty well in the minors. But yeah, so Robot Umps, that was my number two. We're bringing it. So we've gotten, we're leaving one, we're bringing one, we're leaving another one. Number three on my list of things we need to leave behind. Urban Meyer decisions. That's it. That, that's the whole thing. Urban Myers is the most annoying coach, non-coach in the world. And if you don't know what I mean by this, you clearly don't follow anything involving Ohio State, Utah, wherever he's been, Florida. Urban Myers can't can't keep his can't make his mind up. I want to coach. I don't want to coach. I do want to coach. I have medical issues. No, I don't. I'm back. Yes, I do. I gotta go. So please, Urban, either coach. Or don't coach. It's one or the other. Do you want that Dallas job? Do you want that Cleveland job in the NFL? Do you want to coach in the NFL and just give your shot at it? And if that fails, you're done? Do you want to go back to college? It's pick one or the other. I want to coach either NFL slash college. Or you know what? I actually am done. I'm going to take care of myself physically, mentally, Medically, all my issues, and just be an analyst. Because, oh my God. I've heard about Urban Myers connected to everything. The Browns. The Redskins, who just hired Ron Rivera. College jobs. I think he might be even coaching in a movie. But they don't know yet. But they do, but they don't, but they do. Like, that's essentially what it is. And it's 
so annoying as a sports fan. Not only as a sports fan, think about the places he's rumored to be going. Think about the fan bases there. If you're a college football fan base and your school is rumored to be in the running for Urban Meyer, a guy who has won multiple national championships, have made schools go from top 25s to top 5 schools in rankings year after year after year, you'd be pumped. Then a day later, you'd find out he's not coming to your place, he's going to another place, or he's not going anywhere at all. Repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. I don't think I said, I did not say that right. But that's not here nor there. Said that right. Urban Meyer, we're leaving you and your coaching decisions in the last decade. We're leaving it. It's behind us. We're done with it. No more. You get one shot. You're either coaching or you're not. Make it that simple. Because that's all it should be. It should just be that simple. So that's number three. Urban. Just just decide. All right. Number four. Again, it's another football thing. If you are the XFL, the F I don't even I don't AAF, I don't even remember all the leagues now. Or potential leagues. The Players League, I think, like next year. So many football leagues. Stop it. Just stop it. For real. Just stop. You're not the NFL. You're not college football. You're not going to even be arena football. And that was such an up and down roller coaster ride. And it failed in the long run. They just filed for bankruptcy. They're done. The XFL, you tried. I don't know what's going to be so different this time. You have some kind of NFL talent. Cardell Jones, ooh. He's going to he's going to put asses in the seat, am I right? No. You're you're not right. You're going to start your league up the week after the Super Bowl after everybody is footballed out. Makes no sense. People People will be excited. That first few weeks, you'll get the ratings. You'll get it. You'll, I mean, people will be like, wow, this is impressive. Look at the ratings. But in the end, it's just going to fail. Like they have every single time before. Why go against the juggernauts that are the NFL and college football? As much as everybody loves football, which we do. We all can't get enough of it. We all can't wait for August spring training and training, not spring training, training camp, uh, switching back to baseball. Can't wait for training camp from August until February. We love it. Fantasy football, all of it. But honestly, when February hits after the Super Bowl is over, there is a football hangover that is not cured at least for two to three months. Then everybody gets back on the whole football track. Then everybody's like, hey, March, April, May, we're done with those. You know, draft happens. June comes around. People start getting excited about their draft picks, who they got. Training camp is right around the corner, it seems. Everybody's wishing summer away for football season. 
but we need that break to recharge. We have NCAA March Madness. We have baseball spring training. We got NBA basketball and NHL. We have plenty of things to watch sports-wise. If you want people to watch, at least do it from the end of spring through the summer. Leading into training camp. When there are only baseball and NBA and NHL finals. Think about the day, think about like the three sports days in the sports world where there are nothing going on. Do it then. But honestly, just stop spending all your money trying to create these leagues. Be done with it. Leave it behind. Leave that in the 2010s and beyond. We have our established football league. That should be the only one. If you want this to work, make it a minor league system for the NFL. And call it the NFL minor leagues. The best way to do it. Have the season coincide. Play your games on Fridays or something. You can televise them. Play them on Fridays. Then we have college football Saturdays and NFL Sundays. You could literally have Thursday night football, Friday night minor leagues, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night. And people would be more likely to watch them. But for now, leave, leave the expansion leagues behind. Then last but not least, we have some NBA. Now before I get into this, sad news, you already know about it. David Stern, the former NBA commissioner, died at age 77 from a brain hemorrhage. Very sad. Just a quick thing about him. The man revolutionized basketball, the NBA, as we know it. He globalized it in a way not many people could. He might be one of the best commissioners of any sports league of all time, if not the best. He did more for basketball in 30 years than, I mean, I don't know. Most people do from any sport over even longer. The man, I mean, he was fantastic at what he did. Controversial at times, you know, the Chris Paul trade, things like that. But overall, he put basketball on the map in a way that wasn't imaginable. So, sorry for to, prayers to his family. Sorry for their loss. Rest in peace, David Stern. Now, for the thing that we need, I mean, I'm taking only, I'm literally taking robot umps with me. Everything else can be left behind, including the NBA schedule issues. I'm only going to touch on this for a minute or two because we're almost done. But the NBA, people have complained about 82 games. 82 games is too much. It's too hard on these guys. The travel. Oh, poor NBA guys. Baseball players play 162 games. Nobody's trying to shorten that season right now. The NHL, 82 games. Those guys have undisclosed injuries all the time. And the choosers are like, oh, yeah, he, he has a lower body injury. What happened at the end of the season? Oh, he had broken kneecaps and no feet, but he played. It's essentially what NHL players do. NBA players, though, get nights off, play every other day, once in a while have back-to-back games and all that. They somehow want to shorten their season. They want to change everything up. The playoff format, in-game season tournaments, Prize money, like a bunch of different things. It's 82 games. Half the stars now get load management. 
And if you don't know what load management is, well, it's just a fancy word for saying they're getting a break. They have some soreness somewhere, so they need the night off. That's all it is. And I have no issue with it. But if the whole 82-game schedule is too hard for you, including the playoffs, then... I mean, suck it up. You get nights off. That's fine. I do think there should be a rule that players can only take nights off on home games and not away games. I do think if you're going to load manage, you have to do it when you're at home instead of away. Partly because for guys like LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, these big name players, if they're only going somewhere once a year and that's the night they decide to load manage, it's disappointing for the fans. Now, I know the fans aren't the end-all, be-all. We should think about that perspective a little bit. You have 41 home games. If your star player misses five to six of them for a night off, it's no big deal. So just leave the schedule, the whole change, keep it as it is, and forget about this whole in-season tournament, playing games for the playoffs, reseeding, all of it. Forget about it. It's not needed. We don't don't fix something that's not broken. That's it though. So not I'm not taking much into this new decade. I'm taking the robots. And that's about it. That's all for this week though. As you notice, there was no pause pylon. We're gonna get that started back up next week. No worries. This week, if I sound a little different, I have an oddly sore throat. I know, it seems like I'm sick all the time. It's what happens in the winter to me. And I also had to do recording on my phone. It's having some issues. But we're good. We're fine. This was good. It's a new year. Same me. Same sports stands. 12 on Sports Radio. Spotify, all that. Check us out. Check out other shows on 12 on Sports Radio. Make sure you like and subscribe. The Sports Dance on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, all of that good stuff. Hopefully everybody's off to a great start to their new year, new decade. Hopefully everybody has a good weekend. My name is Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good one, everybody. The Sports Dance.